0: This week's episode of Mixtapes with Mike is brought to you by Freestyle Skate Store. They are the cornerstone of the skateboard scene in Newport, South Wales, and they haven't paid for this ad. But their owner, Grim, who was formerly a guest on the podcast, has been so abundantly supportive. Then I wanted to say thanks by telling you that if you need anything skateboard related or if you want to buy a cool t-shirt or a hoodie or a beanie, you should check out. Freestyle skate store on Instagram. They're very close to 10,000 followers, so you can help them out with that and you can support an independently owned and run skateboard store, one of the best in the UK. Welcome to Mixtapes with Mike. The podcast where I invite a guest to make us a mixtape of 10 tracks without using the same artist twice. We're going to talk about each song, and if you like the sound of what you hear, you can listen to the mixtape in full by clicking the link in the show notes of this episode. It's that simple. So if you're the kind of person who'd like a new mixtape each Monday, you should probably subscribe to this podcast. But that's enough of the hard sell. Let's talk about music. This week's guest is an undeniably talented MC who is widely regarded as one of the pioneers of the UK hip-hop scene. He's also an author with a PhD in linguistics whose passion for the spoken word permeates everything that he releases. This is Tommy Evans. How you doing? I'm good, how you doing? I'm alright, not too bad. Had a fairly lazy weekend. Uh, but that's all going to be sort of shattered by hurrying this episode out <laughs> for tomorrow morning.
1: Fantastic, fantastic. Well, it's an honour to be invited to participate. Thank you.
0: Thanks, man. Now, I have to, I have to hold my hands up here. Like, I'm a hip-hop fan, but, like, I ha- there are massive holes in my hip-hop knowledge because the majority of the stuff that I am into or have discovered has either been handed to me directly or i found it through skate videos or snowboard videos Mm -hmm. because i kind of came up through snowboarding and skateboarding in my youth and then i was introduced to your music literally about a month ago oh no way that's crazy (laughs) by a previous guest uh and someone we have in common uh the photographer james north mr north kudos indeed so wow. like I I know him through the snowboard industry and I worked with him for a while. Of yeah, yeah. And and he is a ardent UK hip hop fan. Mm, and, definitely. And he and he listed your track Ophelia. Yes, sir. And uh, and that 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 holds quite a personal importance to him because uh, he named his second daughter
1: Ophelia. That's right. Yeah.
0: And I'm a sucker for proper instrumental loops and sort of like old-school vibes of hip-hop. has sure, sure. definitely got
1: that. Yeah, yeah. It's an old-school um, tune, that's why. <laughs> it, was, it was recorded quite a while ago. <laughs> but it's all good, yeah, definitely. I know what you're saying. It evokes that classic feel. Yeah, and that's the beauty of creativity. So something that one as an artist might feel is in the back catalogue not contemporaneous someone might revisit it or discover it afresh and then that's a portal or a gateway into a whole expansive body of work so yeah it's really really interesting to hear it's it it's
0: me it's it, it it's it's a gift because it's just like oh and then there's all this stuff yeah yeah and then i'm and then I, I tapped you up on Instagram because we, we spoke kind of in the comments while we were promoting James's episode. And I sure, said, well, sure. if you want to come and do an episode. And then uh, I mentioned to a skateboarding friend of mine uh, that you were coming on. And he was like, what? Holy shit. Like, <laughs> I, and, and his reaction just went, oh, I need to start taking this more seriously because this guy's, this guy's legit. And I've got to the point where I've, I've listened to a lot more of your material The track that a lot of people mention is Water Torture as well. That's been really heavily recommended. But whenever I've mentioned you, it's like, oh, Water Torture, that's the one track that keeps coming back up. That's so interesting.
1: It's funny because I would say that's so uncharacteristic of my body, but it's very, very different to my standard sound. And again, it's a very, very old track. But again, this is the beauty of it. When you create and put your art, whatever form it is, into the atmosphere, into the outer world, then to a certain degree you're letting go of your baby and you don't have ownership of other people's responses to it. And that's the beauty of it. So something that might not necessarily be the most reflective of who I am as a person might be the thing that people latch onto the most. And that's the beauty of what we do.
0: No, I th- I, th- I think there's there's an element of people hold certain things in esteem, but they attach it to a moment in time. Yeah, sure. So, sure. so so they they have a fondness for the track, and it takes them back
1: mm, to whatever was happening at of that course. point. it evokes those memories. I think I've been fortunate with that track as well, in that it was used on the soundtrack to *Adulthood*, and that was obviously put together by Noel Clark, who is a leopard Grove* resident like myself so it's quite uh it's funny he was doing a instagram live and i was like dude thank you for including my song in your soundtrack years and years ago um but yeah it's it's funny how things work out and i think one always has to just take compliments and support and love with grace and never be disdainful so i'm very very much appreciative for any Positive comments or support or feedback that I get from people, even negative feedback, often is the most useful form of response that you can get because it helps you to develop and hone your craft.
0: Yeah, uh, I'll I'll agree with that. I, I from a from a comedy point of view, I will generally learn more from yep. the gigs that go wrong than the ones that I nail. Yeah, um, yeah. Because that's they're the they're the events that spell out where you need to improve.
1: So. Yeah. Sure. Sure. And it's all performative as well, isn't it? There's a lot of overlap in the discipline. So whether you're a comedian, a musician, a motivational speaker, what you're trying to do is present the apex of your humanity to the audience so that you can create the most powerful impact and also cultivate your emotional intelligence so that you can read your crowd and know what material will work with different demographics. Jamie Foxx talks fantastically about it. On, uh, I think it was a Tim Ferriss podcast, and just how, you know, coming up in the game, he performed to different audiences, different um, different economic statuses, different ethnicities, and he learned how to tailor his material to the crowd so that it had the greatest impact and would resonate with them. So, yeah, check it out if you haven't done already. As a comedian, it'd be interesting. To oh, no I, will,
0: no, I will do. There's a, there's a really good documentary called Dying Laughing where he he might be going into very sort of similar pattern. But, mm-hmm. um, he was saying that he would go to, like, the blackest cities yep. and do more political stuff, and then we would go to sort of the whitest cities and do mm. some of his more uh, sort of uh, black-oriented material. And he would take the, the stuff that worked at both, and then he yep. would have this really sort of universal and, yeah. and yeah. accessible hour but that that had stuff for both
1: yeah. audiences. Yeah, now he's a very... Um very gifted hard-working individual man very very talented and much to be learned from him in terms of his commitment to craft so as a musician I'm constantly or rather I'd say as a professional I'm constantly studying other disciplines to see right is there something that I can apply from that realm into my own even today I was listening to um the Freakonomics podcast and I studying a lot of stuff about psychology on there um, and it's just really really interesting how all these things have helped you to become a better practitioner whatever your discipline is yeah.
0: now the reason we're turning this episode round uh, faster than I would normally like I don't release things in sequence in terms of when I record them hmm. uh, so I don't release too many episodes that are all stand-up comics because they're generally the people I hang around with sure, sure. Um, But the reason we're turning this one around quickly is because we primarily want to talk about your new EP that just came out.
1: Sure, sure. Synchronicity. Yes, that dropped on Friday the 2nd of October and it's a four-track EP produced by Len, who is a longtime collaborator of mine, really, really talented musician, uh, hip-hop producer, uh, bass player, audio engineer for Sony. And he's produced for the likes of Sprague benz Jest, Terra Firma, myself, Michael Parkinson, uh, Luki Story. So he's a very, very gifted individual and a lovely chap as well. So it was great fun working on the project. I'm just really happy to have something that I feel is one of my strongest pieces of work out there. Okay,
0: now what one thing that struck me Upon listening to the EP today, mm-hmm. um, is that, and it, and it was evident in your stuff before, but like it, it it hit me particularly today. Listening to the new stuff, is that you're really articulate and there's 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 great care to enunciate everything.
1: Ah, oh, thanks. <laughs> I try, <tried. laughs>
0: and, and I was like, wow, it's like the delivery, it's almost like spoken word. And then I was reading about you a little bit this afternoon and went, oh no, he has done
1: yeah, bits of sure. spoken
0: word stuff. And then it completely
1: made sense. Yeah. Do you know, it's funny because the clarity was something that was always one of my stronger points as a rapper or musician from my early days. So It was an area that I always worked really hard on, like enunciating my words clearly so that the message can hit home. But yeah, you're right. With spoken word, it's fascinating because when you perform poetry live, there's nothing for you to fall back on. There's no beat to carry you. So you're literally stripped bare, acoustic, and it's just your voice, which is a very powerful instrument, as you know. So it helps you to hone your craft. So for me, it seems because I started out as a rapper and I had a long hiatus from making music, but not from being creative. I worked in a whole bunch of other areas from film to journalism to writing. Obviously I had a book out, uh, got my PhD as well. So all these disciplines, for me, overlap, like a Venn diagram. But spoken word, I found, made me a better rapper. (laughs) So all those years performing live, doing spoken word, it made me hone my voice, play with my intonation more, my cadences, enunciation, breath control, rhythm, all those different facets as a vocalist. So when I came back to making music, I feel I'm a better rapper now than in my first iteration. In fact, I wouldn't even call myself a rapper. I'm a musician who happens to rap. So for me, I'm trying to look at the holistic picture when I'm making music. So I think with a lot of rappers, when they begin their career and their journey of making music, they're preoccupied with writing The Sickest Bars. And something like Water Torture, I think is very reflective of that. I'm at a stage where I want to make cohesive, holistic songs. So the raps are a part of the song, but they're a functioning, working mechanism of it. A bit like a football team. You know, the glamour role is the striker, but you also need the rest of the players on the team to win the game. Sometimes you have to get 1-0 victories, even though you want to do a you know, 6-1 Spurs-Fresh Man United, which I take particular delight in as a Leeds United fan. Anyway, to digress, um, <laughs> with me, I'm just really, really interested in making strong songs that my raps are one part of. So, as you'll see, I work a lot with singers. I work more with singers than I do with rappers, to be honest. When I work with rappers, it has to have utility and purpose to it. So again, this is something I was discussing with Len, who produced the current project. In our younger days, I think as we were less experienced in making songs, we might hear it be write a verse, but then ah, I can't think of anything else. Ah, all right, I'm going to holler at this dude to write another verse, scratch a hook on it or get someone else to say the hook. But as you mature as an artist and see that there are all these different components in a song that can resonate with your audience and that the words are just one part of it, then you have a more mature, sophisticated understanding of songwriting and the architecture of a track. So that's something I'm really, really fascinated with. And, you know, looking at intros, bridges, pre-choruses. I mean, if you look at the EP, three of the four songs will have an intro at the start. Um, And that's not accidental. So whether it's um, Zanisha, and I know you can do this, doing sort of like some very ethereal, harmonized vocals, or Lisa Bandy, who is an amazing vocalist from France, doing some... Quite esoteric spoken word at the start. Similarly, Johnny Pitts, who's an amazing broadcaster, poet, and writer, he just has won loads of awards for his book, African, which I strongly recommend everyone read. Actually, you need to get him on your podcast. Oh, I'd love to. Yeah, you have to. He's a a fellow northerner, so he's from uh, Sheffield. He's a very, very talented guy. Um, but Afropean has, has really smashed it. And for me, it's amazing as well. So I love singing the praises of other artists. So I've been involved with that project for, for years. I used to write for the website, which was you know, a great honor. And I was privileged to see Johnny's nasty and embryonic idea of the book slowly come together and share with me like ideas for the cover and everything. So to see it come out when all these awards has been amazing is Really, really good book. I really recommend. It. It's such a learning experience. So yeah, it's just great for me to meet, uh, have all these amazing, talented artists involved with the project. Uh, Matthew Orman, who's a, a Bayesian vocalist on uh, on the road, uh, um, Jada, who's an amazing spoken word artist as well. I know can It's just great. Uh, you know, all these different creatives add something to the songs, but it's purposeful. There's a real um, intent behind what I do when I collaborate with others. To use a parlance of academia, we say this warrant. It's your justification for the inclusion of this piece of data or this hypothesis. So likewise, when it comes to constructing a song, if I collaborate, then there has to be meaningful intent with it. And I like to vibe and work with people I have a rapport with. So rather than just being Machiavellian about it and selecting someone who's Popping. I'd rather build up a relationship with someone first. So there's an actual real world chemistry. And, you know, yeah, for, but, the, but, the, was, but
0: the output is so much more authentic when, yeah, when you do definitely,
1: it that way. Definitely. I was working with Zanisha again on a song um, recently. And this is interesting another interesting facet of making music in 2020, how much of it might be done remotely. So for a number of those intros, In fact, all of them, all three of the the intros where it's got spoken word or singing, they're all done remotely. Then I get the stems, um, which is very different to when I first started making music. It would be trying to get everyone in the studio, which has its pros in terms of having that energy and spontaneity, but also getting five rappers in the studio is not the easiest thing. So I do like the remote approach as well. But yeah, it was just funny what we were saying about having that energy and rapport. Zanisha and I were working again recently on the song. And um, <laughs> there was a line, I needed her to say woo. And then literally I just started rapping along pop smoke. Looks. I like the way it rock. She liked the way that I woo. And literally Zanisha just started rapping along with me at the same time. I mean, we just had that psychic wavelength. So those moments really make me giggle. Um, and there's a, those are sort of the memories you cherish, the good times in the studio.
0: Amazing. Right, so get into your mixtape. Uh, First track is Memory Lane by Minnie Riperton.
1: Yeah, Minnie Riperton, my all-time favourite singer. I actually have a song from my album, Anti-Fragile, that came out in 2019 called Memory Lane. It was the third single. The the album title actually is a homage to the Narsim Nicholas Taleb book, which I strongly recommend our listeners read. That guy has just an incredible amount of ideas. Page quota. Anyway, I digress. So, Memory Lane, that was my homage to Minnie. It had a very... um, classic soul vibe to the song. And that's what Minnie's music has. I just love that epoch of music. 70s soul is my favourite genre, so to speak. Although I love pretty much most genres as will become apparent (laughs) in my eclectic playlist. So yeah, Memory Lane. And it's deep as well because if I recall correctly, that was, I think, the last song she ever recorded. She tragically died very young from cancer when she was 32. So that song is very emotional and touching when you understand the story behind it. Now she's singing uh, Save Me. is literally a plea for more life. So, yeah, rest in peace, Minnie Ripton. And obviously her daughter, Maya Rudolph, smashing it on Saturday Night Live. So a very, very talented family. And um, yeah, Minnie, what can I say? One of the greatest vocalists ever, classically trained, did a whole opera sort of vibes, five octave vocal range, and then brought that into the genre of soul music. So what can I say, man? Big up Minnie Ripton every time. So, so, moving on from Minnie Ripperton, who's the next track by? So, continuing in that theme of 70s Soul, I like to segue easily, and organically. Is... I love that you put this amount of thought into
0: it, mate. Oh, good.
1: dude, even the sequencing. <laughs> I'm a geek. But again, you know, it's that care of thought and attention to detail that you apply in putting an album you know, track selection together, or when I was writing my PhD thesis, how I, you know, explored my hypothesis, or similarly in terms of when I put my book together, like the order I put the poem, so it's all editorial. Yeah, uh, Walk On By, Isaac Hayes. Now, I was introduced to this song, like the last one, through hip-hop, so... I grew up listening to a lot of 90s hip-hop, which was very sample-based at the time. And really, recycled is maybe the wrong word, but revisited the classics that maybe the artist's parents used to listen to in their youth. So A lot of that was 70s soul. And many I became acquainted um, with through the extensive sampling of her songs, whether it's, you know, Tribe Called Quest, using um, Inside My Love which was also featured on Quentin Tarantino's, Jackie Brown, Eminem's on Many Men, I think it was his song, or Any Man. <laughs> I muddle it up with the 50 Cent song. Yeah, he sampled uh, Adventures in Paradise by Mini as well. So similarly with Isaac Hayes, I became acquainted with his material through Biggie's song, Warning, which sampled Walk On By. Actually, it's funny. <laughs> I remember seeing the video to warning years ago. My auntie had asked me to dog sit, <laughs> so um, they were away. My auntie, uncle, cousin, etc. And um, yeah, I was looking after the dog, which was a bit of a rambunctious beast, shall we say. And they give me explicit instructions like it was a gremlin, you know, don't feed it after midnight and you have to like close this door otherwise I'll just trash the whole house. And I stayed up late watching MTV Raps, of which Biggie's Warning was one of the songs on it. And then um, I was like, yeah, buzzing. <laughs> and then the next morning, woke up to hear my auntie coming through the front door. I'd overslept. I mean, this doesn't happen these days. I'm a very organized, disciplined person. But yeah, I went downstairs, shot car, the dog, had trashed the living room and eaten all the um, the cushions. So yeah, that's an indirect di- introduction to Isaac Hayes' "Walk On By." But interestingly enough, as well, for many years I use this song as my intro music. So when I come on stage, uh, my DJ Tree Bigot Tree every time. We're playing <laughs> that. We did this one gig. It's, he played it at uh 45 <laughs> so it's sort of like a kanye west sped up chipmunk soul version of it um so i was like dude we <laughs> need that on 33 um but yeah yeah it got a lot of love in the crowd ironically enough so yeah isaac Hayes, welcome by,
0: so Amazing. all right so following on from Isaac Hayes who are we listening to now
1: so continuing the theme of theme music um I hope I pronounced my labiodental fricatives correctly there sorry I'm just a geek when it comes to language one of the things I learned when I was doing my MA in the blues that's not The blues is like John Lee Hooker blues, but bilingual learners in urban educational settings. But there's an expression called labiodental fricatives. So when you pronounce your THs as Fs, but it's a common feature of uh, multicultural London vernacular. I'm from Leeds originally, so my mum always used to like tease me as a kid, saying you pronounce things in the London fashion. How did you get this? I've no idea either. Um, So yeah, theme music. Prince, 1999, is also another song that I use as theme music. Come when I had my album launch, Anti-Fragile, at uh, the chip shop in Brixton, big up those guys, shout out to Mike. Um, that's why I came on stage too. So it's a very epic, grandiose uh, start to uh, a performance. In fact, it's funny, <laughs> I remember doing, um, so I have all these mad little stories, but I think they, they bring the, the, the songs to life. Um, so thank you for indulging my digressions and trans- um, what's the word I'm looking for tangents. Mass was never my strong point. Um, I was did a tour in uh, Scandinavia, Norway, with Foreign Beggars. Rest in peace, Ebo. And uh, we were playing this <laughs> one one um, town in Norway, and I remember there's um, there's a girl at the front dancer, She had a raspberry beret. So it probably sounds rather cheesy, but yeah, I've got the DJ to play Raspberry Beret. So I was quite happy that he had that in his uh, collection. So that, that went down the tree. The, uh, the crowd loved that one. Um, so yeah, like I say, you have to bond with your audience. <laughs> um, so yeah, Prince, what an incredible musician. Oh my gosh. So, so, so talented. I was just reading the other day about the Sign of the Times album, which obviously the song isn't from, but... If I was to pick a Prince album, it would be Sign of the Times. How, for that album alone, there's 45 tracks on it, which is more than the entire output of Jimi Hendrix and more than the amount of songs Michael Jackson released in the 80s on that one album alone. So Prince was just incredibly prolific. Um, maybe, you know, someone like Lil Wayne or um, is a, maybe a good comparison in terms of rap, in terms of that ubiquity and the sheer volume of work. Maybe in terms of style, someone like Andre 3000, or I say sort of like the Prince of Rap. But anyway, I digress once more. There's much respect to all these incredible musicians who we're all inspired by.
0: Well, I mean, word has it that there are scores of albums in the vault left over from yeah. Prince. Yeah, I've heard that, that, I've heard. may never see the light of day, or they may be drip fed out over time to maintain his legacy. Yeah. Um, there's a there's a Kevin Smith special, I guess you would call it, or like an evening with and he tells a story about when he was hired to make a documentary about Prince and he was recording this very sort of gospel inspired mm. album. But he had he had fans almost like living at his place, like yeah, a commune, yeah. and they would have these regular sort of sit ins where they would sort of talk about life and Prince would pontificate about all these these, these themes. Um, and Kevin Smith was kind of blown away by the almost cultish kind mm. of atmosphere. Uh, and then when he wrapped the whole thing and put it together, it's like, oh, so when's it coming out? It's like, oh no, it's not coming out. That just goes in the <laughs> vault with everything else. Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, Someone that Prince, I can imagine he would inspire that level of devotion in his audience. I actually have uh, an indirect Prince story, six degrees of separation, rather one degree of separation. So this year I was very fortunate that I had a song come out, a remix. Uh, the final track on my Anti-Fragile album is a house tune called Catchy. And we actually had Prince's DJ, Larry Peace, remix it and put it out on his house label. That was a big, big on us, a big up the Minneapolis crew. Obviously, that's where Prince is from, Larry too. Um, our guy, Aaron, as well, who hooked the whole thing up. Um, much love to Aaron, man. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> I'm one degree of separation from Prince. So that's my art. <laughs> thing.
0: All right, so that's Prince, who we listening to now.
1: Next up is... The world is yours by Nas, and it's interesting. I was comparing Andre 3000. To Prince, saying, you know, he's like, if I was to use a, a simile, he's like the Prince of Rap. Actually, it's a metaphor. I should get my comparisons correct. <laughs> um, my PhD in linguistics clearly not helping me in terms of my basic grammar and punctuation there. Um, but Nas, I feel, is like the poet laureate of uh, hip hop an absolute wordsmith and someone who's really stood the test of time and obviously Illmatic is probably the greatest straight up hip hop album obviously rap music has evolved into so many myriad forms now so that generation that would put it at their number one slot future generations will love it as well what they can perceive to be rap is maybe something different and that's the beauty of it it's just Culture is not a noun, it's a verb. Something that's constantly being recreated, reproducing. And Nas is just so, so gifted with the words. And I think this song is just super positive as well. It's funny because obviously it's a homage to Scarface, (laughs) which is probably not the most conscious of films. I'm sure you can extract a moral message from that as well. Um, But yeah, Nas, The World Is Yours. I can remember seeing in new year this song um a number of years ago so um yeah it's a very powerful motivational anthem and um yeah pete rock on the production and i think it's got that line which jay-z sampled as well isn't it that jay-z would later reference in his classic diss track takeover oh yeah sampled your voice you was using it wrong he made it a hot line I made it a hot song he's referring to um, I'm of for presidents to represent me uh, Jay-Z used under presidents Jay-Z is my all-time favourite rapper um, so maybe I should have chosen <laughs> one of his um, songs as well but there we go Nas The World Is Yours The World Is Yours Yo, the world is yours. The world is Alright, that's Naz. Who are we listening to now? So next we're also looking at another classic rap act. Run DMC. This is there's a good story behind this. Song actually, so <laughs> I would say that this was the first um, song that I ever got. Actually, it wasn't, it was Rat Rapping by Roland Rat, but I had the canniness and savviness at a very, very young age to convince my brother into swapping Run DMC Walk This Way for Roland Rat Rat Rapping, so I definitely got the better part of the deal and basically scammed him <laughs> in- this is a younger brother right yeah younger brother um, interestingly enough years later here I go one of my funny stories I actually worked with the individual who engineered Rat rapping <laughs> uh, audio engineer called Roddy who would record the session for my song move now which I did with my beat rest in peace um so yeah again in my bizarre six degrees of separation stories i'm you know one degree of separation one degree of separation away from rolling rap but yeah i digress run dmc walked this way i think it was such a powerful song because obviously it was one of those tracks that brought rap to a wider audience obviously the circumstances when it came out were very different to now in terms of rap being now a universal phenomena you know, the most popular genre of music the biggest culture in the world to, to this day that has gone on to influence pretty much every other form of music and style in the world out there but obviously in 1984 i think when the song came out you know it was still a young art form but yeah big up run DMC, walk this way aerosmith as well Classic video as well. I was always rooting for Randy up see in the video. <laughs> I love their style.
0: Yes, it's, it's 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 a weird one where it kind of generated that
1: kind of combative yeah, atmosphere. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: definitely. But they, they, they take the stage and they kind of Tag give each other credit. Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah, definitely. And that's, that's the beauty of it. And I found healthy competition is a beautiful thing. I love sport and I love learning lessons from sport. So if you look at the the great rivalries in sport then they push athletes to greatness that maybe they wouldn't have achieved individually and they develop the craft and the art form and the culture and the sport the discipline to higher levels so whether you're looking at Messi and Ronaldo in football um, Nadal and Federer and you could say Djokovic and tennis um, Muhammad Ali, Joe Frazier in boxing. When you get guys like these, and I need to balance it with female athletes as well. We don't want it to be um, just one gender. So someone like Serena Williams as well, um, Naomi Osaka, individuals like these, they begin to transcend the sport through their excellence. But also sometimes in terms of um, the message that they're trying to communicate as well. Like I said, Muhammad Ali, Uh, Naomi Osaka and these guys, many other athletes, Lewis Hamilton at the moment, really doing an incredible job of using their platform to put a really positive message out there and raise awareness. So, you know, I love seeing that and I think likewise as a musician, I try to use my platform responsibly, maturely, ethically, in terms of what I say, but also uh, hopefully other people can testify how I conduct myself behind the scenes because it's very easy to talk that conscious stuff. I was having this discussion with uh, a very good friend of mine today and saying uh, I've met a lot of famous rappers, right? And a lot of these conscious woke guys ain't always that way in real life. And then you might get someone who's talking straight up gangster stuff. But they're beautiful human beings, man. You know what I mean? Yeah. But if you can be someone that does both, you know, talks, you know, inspirational words, and you live up to it in your like, I have to say on that front, Stormzy is an incredible dude. Like, had the honor of um, meeting him a couple of years ago. I mean, basically he came up to me to show me love, um, show appreciation for my craft. And um, yeah, he's just a super humble, super sweet guy, um, which I think is very apparent anyway, in terms of his interviews. It's always refreshing when you meet artists like that. that you see uh, the, the good people off stage as well. It's not just a act of performance.
0: Okay, so following on from Run DMC, who are we listening to now?
1: Yeah, I thought I'd continue the transition with the rap rock crossover vibes with a remake of Black Steel in the Hour of Chaos by Tricky. And obviously the track was first performed by Public Enemy, who were contemporaneous with run DMC. I mean, obviously they're still making music. They've just got an album out at the moment, actually. I think run DMC are actually on the album. I need to double check. Um, yeah, my choice of selection, this one again, not even a degree of separation. I was fortunate to work with Martina Topley-Byrd, Bird is an amazing, amazing singer. And she sang on Tricky's first three albums. She sings on this song. And I think she was like 17 or 18, 19 when she did this song. So there's a real youthfulness and almost like soft innocence to her voice on the album that's from Max And, Quay. and just the juxtaposition of this really clear vocal with the intense metal <laughs> production which is obviously a very different interpretation of the original, which is a classic hip-hop production. So yeah, I thought, I'm gonna choose that one because when I heard the album, it just stands out, it's so different from the rest of this very mellow trip-hop, if you will. Um, I'm sure Tricky wouldn't want to label it that way, but obviously external parties did. Um, And I love that whole thing, I was torn whether to Include Porter said as well, but yeah. So Tricky Blackstone, the Hour Of Chaos, featuring Martina Toppy Bird. Um, she also did a lot of performances with uh, Massive Attack as well. So uh, it was great working with her as well because that was again someone who I listened to, respect as an art artist, and then to actually collaborate with them was uh, awesome. So yeah, Tricky.
0: So we've listened to Tricky, who comes next on your mixtape?
1: Next up on the mixtape, retaining the anarchy and punk ethos and sense of rebellion and sedition expressed in the remake of Still and the Hour of Chaos, I opted for Prodigy, Firestarter. And yeah, I love this tune, just the energy of it is insane obviously there's hip hop elements within it in terms of 808 bass
0: yeah.
1: and the break beats on it even Keith's performance is quite punky but in a way there's a rap element to it as well and when that album came out it's just so different to now rap and UK rap is mainstream in this country which just brings me endless delight because when I started rapping you know to think that you would have artists who are millionaires making hardcore rap in this country is just unfathomable rapping in english accents and you know not just london now you know you've got h from manchester you know what i mean or uh, bugsy malone from there um lady lashore from birmingham who in my humble opinion is the best flow in the uk anyway i digress it again so for me, as a much, much, much younger person at the time, that was pretty much the closest you could get to rap music out of the UK. Similarly, in terms of the trip-hop as well, to said, to me, that's just rap music. But with the incredible Beth Gibbons sipping, singing over hip-hop breaks, tricky again. For me, that was our hip-hop at that time in the late mid to late 90s. Um, so... Prodigy, Firestarter really has a lot of memories for me. I actually saw them perform it live just at the Phoenix Festival, which is a now defunct uh, festival that was run in Stratford-upon-Avon. So yeah, incredible. I actually semi-worked with the guy that engineered that record. it was a guy called Neil McClellan, I think it was. And so there was a band called Bedlamagogo from Leeds, which is where I'm from originally. And I was buddies with the singer Lee Kenny, who would later gone to do material as LSK. So I think I sat in on a few of their sessions working with Neil. So I wasn't recording anything myself, but they had a studio in Leeds and he was sort of brought in by Virgin too. That was a label putting out their material to sort of fine tune their set um, So, yeah, it's amazing how in the music world everyone interconnects in some way. And I also, when I first moved to London from Leeds, I remember seeing Leroy, who's the really tall dancer, out of Prodigy, seeing him at a pub in Chalk Farm. (laughs) You go, of course it's Leroy from Prodigy.
0: You see so many people walking around certain bits of London. Like the the brand I worked for opened a a showroom slash office right at the bottom of Carnaby Street so you you just see so many people walking around there and like in and in a two-week period i saw joanna lumney jason statham um jason fleming and dexter fletcher from Lockstock fame walking around virtually arm in arm just like catching up i was just and it it heartened me so much to see that they're like genuine friends in real life i i remember i remember seeing the video for firestarter Ah,
1: oh, incredible man
0: Insane. And video. like Yeah I, but I I've not seen anything like it before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was just Indeed. like, what is this? Like didn't know how to take it. Yeah yeah. yeah. Like it it literally kinda of took me aback and then over time it became sort of you kind of you kind of absorbed it as this this new sort of pinnacle of, of sort of popular music. Mm-hmm. And that album was just played relentlessly yeah, for yeah. two years.
1: Amazing. I love on the album the sequencing as well, how the song prior to Fire I think it's called Rise or Breathe. I can't remember. It's not Breathe. Uh, I think it's called Rise. But anyway, the way it's like it's epic, like seven minute song. And uh, Nayaran, I think it's called. And it literally just transitions into the, <laughs> the <beat. laughs> <laughs> yeah, incredible. Of so even the sequencing of albums is just the art in itself. So, yeah, Prodigy Firestarter. Alright, so
0: how do you follow firestarter by the prodigy
1: yeah another '90s song and i was really grappling with which one to choose here because the artist in question is someone who's very very beloved to me she's like an auntie to me someone who took me under her wing as a younger artist and just looked out for me treated me like family and that's nana cherry and again for me it's deep because Obviously, I was acquainted with her material, so I was actually in Portugal at the time where some of my family are from, and I came back and I had like messages on my answer machine from her. I was like, no way, this is like sick. And um, yeah, it's mad because she actually lives not too far from where I'm based now. And um, yeah, just a very, very special human being, man. As I was there are certain people who they live up to, you know, what you think of her and she's just so sweet and, um, and caring. So, um, yeah, it's like, which song should I pick? And I thought I'd go for um, Seven Seconds. Um, that was a song with the Door and it's mad. I did a whole bunch of shows with her around Europe and it was like the longest song at number one in France for like, like, four months or something like that. So, yeah, it was crazy kind of, like, performing in Paris with her, Alicia Montmartre. We um we did, like, a jam session with Les Nubians, which is funny, because I, I met up with Les Nubians last year, actually, and I was saying, do you remember when we did that, like, jam session? And they're, like, studios in the top of, like, this block of flats guarded by these direwolves from Game of Thrones, and the biggest... They weren't even dogs, they were, like, borderline bears. They're the most terrifying Kmans I've ever seen in my life. And I'm coming from Leeds, I've had a lot of encounters with scary dogs. But yeah, Naina is a really, really talented artist, you know, amazing musical heritage in, in her family, um, just creative heritage. So her stepdad, Don Cherry, is an amazing jazz musician, or was a you know, jazz musician. And uh, she was telling me actually that he was friends with Oludara, who's um, Nasa's father. And her mom, uh, Moki, rest in peace, amazing visual artist as well. And her song, uh, sorry, her daughter, Mabel, is obviously smashing things in her own right. So, I mean, it's amazing for me to see Mabel doing so well as well. Obviously I remember Mabel when she was little. Um, so yeah, husband, Cameron McVeigh, uh, amazing producer, produced Massive Attack's first album. Um, Nina worked with uh, Tricky as well. So there's a lot of uh, synchronicity my EP title. So in terms of the tracks I've picked, a lot of these people are actually connected. And I have to drop, this is my best celebrity story. Um, one time, me and Nino were in Camden, right? And um, I think we're going somewhere to pick up a door. It's probably to pick up Mabel, actually. Um, and we're, we're just going on the way to catch a taxi or something. And um, we bump into this older dude. Slightly disheveled, long, sort of blue blonde hair, sort of like, you know, um, stubble, um, uh, weather worn face, sort of leathery, sort of clothes, if I recall correctly. And then starts chatting to him. He's sort of just come out of a local pub. And um, he's like, oh, How are you doing? Oh, all this sort of stuff. And I'm thinking to myself, Oh, this guy's like a pub singer. And he's like, Oh, yeah, just did something with Portishead's drummer. So I'm thinking, all right, you must be like serious dude. The whole time I'm looking at this guy thinking, oh, this guy looks mad familiar, right? And then, then it's like, oh, see you later, Robert. He's like, see you, bye. And then we walk around, she's like, you know who that is? I was like, yeah, I think I do. She's like, that's Robert Plant from Led Zeppelin. It's like, nah. <laughs> like, so I literally just got on the phone to my mind, I was like, oh, I just met Robert Plant <laughs> I was with like, Nate Cherry.
0: It's not a second, it's All right, so moving on from Nana Cherry, who's up next?
1: Yeah, i wanted to keep it eclectic and not be predictable rap dudes and just have 10 rap songs. But again, Goldie, like a lot of the other acts I mentioned, have got their feet or toes dabbling in hip hop. Obviously, he was an amazing graffiti writer. And again, for me, you know, hip hop and drum and bass, there is overlap, the distinct genres of their own, but yeah, there's, there's a connection on the Venn diagram of music. They're definitely overlapping. And um, you know, I wouldn't claim to be the most authoritative individual when it comes to drum and bass. But this, for me, is just an incredible, incredible um, song, and again captures a moment in time. And I remember the first time I ever heard drum and bass. Then it was called Jungle. And I was super young at Leeds Carnival, so I used to go to the Carnival. Leeds. My mum would take me from. Young, like six, seven, eight years old. And I remember being in basketball courts with the sound systems. And obviously Leeds Carnival is different to Notting Hill Carnival, which is, when I say it's on my doorstep, I'm not like, it's literally on my doorstep. Um, (laughs) uh, Big up AJ Tracy as well, man. Another one of the the family from the area, man. He was literally hosting... (laughs) Some after party shenanigans on my doorstep a couple of years ago. Um so uh, I remember when I first heard Jungle and I was in this basketball court where these local sound systems were facing off uh big up Iration is one of the, the classic Leeds sound systems. And then I just heard um UK Apache by Shy FX. I think Shy FX is from Leeds originally think he was a cousin of one of a friend of mine who I went to school with because um, I remember he played at one of her birthday parties when we were, when we were kids um, yeah I just heard like the the sample of Cypress Hill and I'm saying you've got this hip-hop connection to drum and bass um, come on it's just mad because I remember at the start of the afternoon there's this, just one very inebriated uh, Irish dude sort of dancing on his own <laughs> in the middle whilst everyone is sort of looking cool in the Moschino and Versace. And then by the end of the afternoon, everyone was just jumping around, (laughs) around this Irish guy. Um, Myself, and my two buddies included. Um... So yeah, um, that was my first exposure to it. But I think Inner City Life, the message of it, um, rest in peace Diane Charlemagne, who obviously sang the vocals on the track. And um... Yes, just incredible, man. Just uh, such a powerful, powerful piece of music. And when you look at how those early tracks are made in terms of the drum programming, it's just mind blowing. Um, so, yeah, big up, Goldie.
0: from Goldie we find ourselves at your final track this one's got very very interesting story because we kind of spoke about it a little bit uh via text and when you when I realized what the connection was I was like oh my god I can't wait to hear this so this last track is so
1: we have uh, um I'm gonna do the the connection. Tommy Evans, Silent Mobius meets Dilla won't do. So I've been sampled by Dilla more than once, <laughs> three times if I recall correctly. I think Madlib sampled me too. So basically, I have a song, Silent Mobius, that was produced by Harry Love, features Young Gun, and was recorded not too far from where I'm now again, Lapeer Grove. Just this is just such a amazing area for music Um, as A.J. Tracy has immortalized in the song Leopard Grove quite rightly Um, and it's funny because um, you have classic music recorded such as uh, Bob Marley's material, Um, Queen did Bohemian Rhapsody in the area as a a studio which those guys use Um, so it's just a really really rich musical heritage over with the AJ smash up now, just up the road, off uh, Harrow Road, avenues here, Fredo, so um, yeah, there's a lot going on in the area, and Harry Love is like, a legend in UK hip-hop and the local legend in the area as well knows <laughs> I've, I've been shamelessly name dropping this it would be a fraction in comparison to to Harry his stories are just insane um my favourite being about when he was clips tour DJ um, but um yes yeah, so I recorded that track um and I was really just trying to say something very spiritual man. and uh, it's funny. I was talking to my friend today, Page, and uh, I was just saying, How do you define the word spiritual? Because it can be this very sort of like ethereal, diaphanous, indistinct, comforting concept, but not necessarily with meat on the bones. But yeah, I was really trying to put a positive message out there in that song, and um, they're yeah, just reflecting about our place in the universe and how he smashed it with production. Basically when we are recording it, and Harry reminded me of this, I didn't remember this part, but after we recorded our verses and young now known as Essa has done his chorus on it. Um, Harry got me to deliver some ad libs at the start. It's very interesting if you listen to a lot of my early material. You hear a lot of ad libs at the start, where uh, I don't do any of that sort of stuff now. In part because songs are just shorter these days. You know the idea of having three verses in a song, <laughs> two verses having like a 16 bar musical intro before the boy record yeah, you know we're getting down to it in like four bars um, so yeah just there sort of, oh yeah oh well, come on that sort of stuff and didn't really think of it But Harry had a vision like, oh, you know, record this, there's an power; It can be splashed in or used by external parties. Lo and behold, Harry, I think it was DJing a car going around 2005 or something like that. I think he was with Jess, I can't remember. But I think Dilla helped himself to a record out of Harry's back. Something like that, I don't want to accuse him of robbery from it, but it's something like somehow he got a copy of our song, Silent Mobius, out of Harry's record back and Dilla Bean Dilla worked his magic with it and used my vocals on a number of his songs which is just, yeah, mind-blowing. Now, there's there's a few things that, you know, as a musician, I I can just sort of have on my epitaph, and sampled by Dilla is maybe the first one. I also had Kylie Minogue say one of my songs was sexy, (laughs) which is probably the other one I would include as well. (laughs) I'm not sure which of the two I would put first, but those are probably my two biggest uh, honors. It's like, not
0: only sample, but like used on one of the few tracks where it's just Dilla MCing, as I understand it.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, his ear for sound, like, is amazing. Like, you know, I love studying um, the art of sampling and songwriting and construction of tracks. And you know, for instance, the song "Players." Like, if you listen to how he flipped the sample, which is from Singers Unlimited. And it's a song called Claire. The way Dilla pitched it, then Claire sounds like Claire, you know, and there's no soft P that could be a reinterpretation of hard consonant C in it. It's just he's tricking your brain. Amazing. So, you know, the way Dilla fought in terms of how he made music was just amazing. I mean, Pharrell said he's the greatest hip hop producer of all time. His body of work, I,
0: it's I, amazing. And I, I was extremely late to to finding out about him. Like He had already passed by the time mm. that I started to learn who he was and, and how far reaching his influence was. And weirdly, my favorite hip-hop song of all time was produced by him and I had no oh, idea. Yeah, yeah. And, What's your favorite hip-hop and, and song and of all time? Well, I so feel like, you know, I said earlier about how a lot of the music or the hip-hop that I've been introduced to has been through skateboarding well mm-hmm. the first skate video I ever saw was a 411 and this track was used on a Chris Markovic section mm. which is weird now because you you might not know but Chris Markovic is not really a hip-hop guy right, right. but uh, but it was running by the far side
1: I'm so glad you said that. I heard that song as a kid. That's my first encounter with Dilla, and that song is just incredible. The video is amazing. I, when I started rapping, I modelled myself on Money from Fast Side. I'd literally rapping as like quite high pitched um, tone. So yeah, I love the fact. Actually, I met the Fast Side as well years ago, and um, yeah, that was like a <laughs> career highlight for me as well. Just meeting them because obviously they were just. I, I I, I that
0: song informed my taste in hip hop. You know, like I was saying, like I'm a yeah, sucker for yeah. a instrumental loop. That Spanish guitar loop yeah, combined with the man. like the harmonized vocals, I, I I will never get tired of hearing that song. Yeah, it's amazing, man.
1: Absolutely amazing. That's, I'm so glad you said said that tune. Um, yeah, Faso, incredible. Oh man, absolutely amazing. And again, so ahead of the time. And I think this is the beauty, as I was alluding to earlier, how hip hop has evolved. And I'm, you know, you get a lot of purists who might be upset that hip hop in 2020 or rap music in 2020 is, you know, um, Lil Uzi Vert, um, uh, Lil Yachty, pop smoke, you know what I mean? Like, but it's just the culture is constantly, constantly evolving. And I just, for me, just to see now we've got four decades worth of a body of work of the culture. It's still a young genre of music, you know, it's not like jazz where you've probably got a hundred years worth of compositions now. Um, on that note, I saw Tony Bennett perform last year, age 93, which is just so inspirational. Him and David Attenborough man, just dudes at that age. Or OGs, oh, older gentlemen of that age, I should speak with the appropriate reverence to see them do what they're doing. And, um, yeah, I know I'm not an here, but Attenborough, like, he's got better and better. He's producing his most powerful work in his 90s, which is just mind-blowing. So for me, I really just want to improve as an artist constantly, and I feel linking it back to my EP that's just come out, which I consider some of the best, if not the best lyricism of my career, um, that I'm a better creative now than when I first started. And I just want to keep honing my craft and improving and putting something positive out there. So hopefully the choice of musicians I've selected, there's a a logic to my choices. You can see a thread that runs through it. Um, There's a connection. Uh, there's a theme to it, and um, yeah, it's just about pushing the boundaries, advancing the culture, developing the craft, and hopefully, you know, saying something positive and living by your words. And that's what I tried to achieve with Silent Mobius, that for it to be reinterpreted by one of the greats on their own material is a huge, huge honor. I like the fact that Kylie rated my work as well. I can't pick between I was deliberating whether I should put I should be so lucky on but then you know (laughs) that might have
0: been a little bit of a left turn
1: yeah it wouldn't exactly exactly but yeah pick up Kylie Minogue as well man like nah someone who's had incredible longevity
0: well listen man thank you very much for coming on Uh, I'll put links to the new EP in in the show notes and uh, we're also going to do our first ever bonus episode this wednesday uh i'm gonna basically have a, a listening party with several friends of mine who are followers of yours uh, and they're gonna tell me what they like about the new ep and what Brilliant. their favorite tracks of yours have been previously and uh, just sort of celebrate the work so thank you very much for, for
1: coming on man the honor as mine so thank you for the invitation and um, hope uh, had enjoyed it as much as I have nice because it turns ugly tonight the love of my lights a nice maiden giving me the cold shoulder froze over when she says we got to go slower she never meant to hurt my feelings but if her ex dealing since I deserve the real thing I love on the
0: rebound so that concludes this week's episode we've deliberately kept the music played below the conversation because we believe that all musicians should be paid something for what they do. So if you'd like to listen to the mixtape in full, you can find it on Apple Music or Spotify by clicking the links in the show notes of this episode. Or you can find and follow the Facebook page Mixtapes with Mike and I'll share those links on the post that announces this episode. If you've enjoyed the podcast, it would mean the world to me if you would share it on your social media with anyone you think would enjoy it. It would mean even more if you would leave us a positive review on iTunes as that will help us reach a larger audience. But in the meantime... I'll see you next week for another episode of Mixtapes with Mike.
1: Me, you, together in a 60s house, car, and a few pit knees stop, think, then the truth hits me slow. Down, we're moving too quickly. Me, you, together in a 60s house, car, and a few pit knees stop, think, then the truth hits me slow. We're moving too quickly.